Hello, everybody. This is Noah, and welcome to Change Talk, a podcast where I have conversations with people who are thinking about change and are open to talking about it. In this week's episode, I speak with Christopher Jackson. Christopher has spent more than 16 years serving in the U.S. military and is currently a sought-after motivational speaker, spreading his Team Stay Motivated message. Christopher uses both his fluency in American Sign Language, as well as his high-powered energy, to spread the message that no matter the obstacle, you must never give up or quit. Christopher came on to Change Talk to discuss his desire to work on himself in order to open up his heart towards new relationships. And while we have you here, if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. This can make a huge difference in expanding Change Talk's reach. And if you really like what you're hearing, consider donating to our tip jar, which can be found by following the link at the bottom of our show notes. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. And may Christopher's Change Talk, in some small way, inspire your own. Please note that this podcast is not therapy. Please seek professional help if needed. I am here with my friend, Christopher Jackson, and all I see beside you, Christopher, is Team Stay Motivated, TSM. So I think that's the introduction of, of who you are. Welcome yeah, to the show. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. It's an honor and it's a privilege to be here. Uh, it's definitely uh, part of who I am. Uh, Team Stay Motivated is a, a positive mental, physical, and uh, spiritual movement, and it's changing the lives of today to create a better generation for tomorrow. Uh, so uh, once again, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this uh, platform. Okay, thank you so much for coming on. So tell us a little bit about yourself. 34 years old. Uh, I'm an active duty service member of the United States Army. Been serving now for about 16 and a half years. Uh, from Houston, Texas. Uh, I was raised by both my parents whom are, are deaf and hearing impaired. So I'm very fluent in American Sign Language. Uh, I'm a community activist. Uh, I like to engage at-risk youth uh, and, and people within the surrounding communities, just trying to give young people a sense of purpose, a sense of identity, so they're not figuring it out at the tail end of their life or in the middle of a midlife crisis. I like to kind of give them the things that I didn't have when I was their age. So uh, if I can help them speed up the process of beat where I was in life to the punch, uh, that's what I try to do in all forms. So uh, in a nutshell, that's truly uh, me, the short version. You mentioned three things that are uh, that are a really big part, part of your identity here. One is being a part of the military. Two is you mentioned having two deaf parents and being very immersed potentially in the deaf community. And of course, the third is is your work with the youth. So I want to I want to go into all of that. So where do you want to start if you want to expand on one of those three? Yeah, so, so I, I, I go in, in, in many areas. So uh, as I stated, being an active duty service member, uh, what is it did? What that has done for me is um, here recently in the past three, four years, uh, I got an opportunity to serve as a drill son. So I uh, got to throw some duffel bags, yell at some, 
some soldiers, but more importantly, I got to train, coach, and mentor uh, America's sons and daughters. And what I realized through that that phase, one night I was on uh, I was on duty. Uh, it's, it's a 24-hour duty where we, we watch the soldiers and then the next day you get 24 hours off. Um, somebody had sent me a video of a guy named Keith Nolan. And who Keith Nolan is, is he's a, he's a deaf guy who went to University of Maryland in the ROTC program. And he, he passed everything with flying colors, but he could not be commissioned because he was deaf. And so I'm on CQ and I'm watching this and... Um, you know, I'm like, okay, that's a unique story. And I don't think anything about it. I put it away and I watch it again for the second time. And then something kind of tugged at me and I watched it again for the third time. Then I got a conviction. And I said, um, I cannot do, uh, I cannot sit back and not do anything about this. Uh, being that both my parents are deaf, that's surely something that I can do. Uh, so I just take my phone and put my drill sign hat on and I do a video in sign language advocating for the deaf to join the military. And, and my premise on that was that the civilians, uh, we had civilian cafeteria workers, we had uh, civilian human resource workers who were deaf. And those are jobs that are in the military. So it was my thoughts, well, if we have them on the civilian side doing it, surely the deaf can serve in the military on the, com on the support side, not combat arms, because you need to be able to hear and know, you know, shoot, move, and communicate. But at least on the support side, I think they can still be an asset and a contribution to America. And so I did a video, one-minute video. Uh, didn't think none of it. I had less than a thousand followers on Instagram. I posted, uh, you know, and went about, you know, my duties. And then the morning when it was time to get relieved, uh, I get all these text messages and DMs like, "Yo, you're going viral. You're going viral." <laughs> I'm like, "What do you mean? What are you talking about?" Uh, and certainly there was another guy at the time, I don't think he's on Instagram anymore, his name was Military Boo. And he took um, my video and put it on his page and he had over 100,000 followers. So long story short, in like six hours, the video hit 1.5 million views. <laughs> uh, so I went, in, I went and told my first son at the time, I said, hey, you know, uh, this is what I did. I didn't know the video was gonna go viral. Somebody took my stuff. And he was like, man, that's cool. I didn't know your parents was deaf. I didn't know you knew sign language. That's unique. So I had to go see the general. The video had hit 4.5 million views at this time. Oh my God. So I, I, you know, I got to go see the general. So I'm for sure in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm in trouble. I'm bugging out. Uh, I go see him. Uh, he knew me because I, I narrated a lot of Audie Murphy ceremonies. And what, what the prestigious Audie Murphy Club is, is 2% of the non-commissioned officers in the army you pretty much show leadership skills and different scenarios and um, you're selected amongst your peers to be qualified to be a part of that club. And I'm, I'm one of the guys that's a part of that club. So the general knew me through that way. And he was like, look, I love what you did. It's unique. Uh, it's new. The only thing I, I, we can't have is I can't let you do that in uniform because me advocating and doing the video and silent, which was as me saying, the, this is the army's message to the public. Like, come and, and that's not really what I was trying to do. I was just trying to support the premise that, hey, both my parents are deaf, and I and we have deaf people working on installation. I believe that you know this can happen. Um, after that, things took off, paid dividends for me. After thirty days, I didn't get in any trouble. I, I took his guidance. Thirty days later, 
PAO, the Public Affairs Office on Fort Jackson, reached out to me and said, hey, we got Thanksgiving coming up. Do you mind doing a commercial in sign language for the deaf? You know, it's something unique. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So not only did they record me, they recorded the trainees that was going through basic training to become soldiers. I got to teach them sign language real quick and saying happy Thanksgiving. And so that video went back out. And after that, I want to say about a month and a half later, uh, Keith Nolan got in touch with me. The guy that I originally did a video for got in touch with me and said, hey, I seen you did the video. It's awesome. You're helping me out. Uh, he went to Maryland School for the Deaf. Every state has a school for the deaf in America. So he, he's a teacher at Maryland School for the Deaf. So he implemented the first ROTC program for deaf students. And what we were able to do, we were able to bridge a contract, a plan for him, for his students that's a part of that ROTC program to come to Fort Jackson and get some of the basic training experience. Wow. So they did physical training with us. They went through the obstacle courses. They handled the weapons. Uh, they didn't get to shoot, but they got to hold the weapon. They, and they got to be a part of what we do. And I think uh, it, it was top of the spear for them. I, I mean, they, they lit up. They were beating some of the other soldiers and running, you know, and I was just smirking like, I'm telling you, I want to slow you down because I one sec, Christopher, because I think this conversation is a bit of a microcosm to the experience. It's one day you're working. OK, you're a drill sergeant. You're living your life. The mm -hmm. army has never been an integrative. That's one piece of your identity. And of course, growing up with two deaf parents is another piece of your identity. But at that point, they were in separate worlds. You were living separate in two worlds. different worlds. You yes, you somebody something came to your attention where you felt you needed to stand up and speak up. And at that moment you were wearing your army outfit and you were speaking sign language. And the, those two worlds collided and, and then very fast that spun out and your name became known. Your whole world was those two things were at the forefront of your consciousness and of other people's. And so you just blew by the whole story. And I'm trying to slow you down. What was going through your head at this time? What were you experiencing within yourself growing up with, you know, this identity of having two deaf parents, being a part of the army? These things were never collided. And then all of a sudden they come together. What was the experience like for you internally? I, I think for me internally, every day, it was a unknown surprise. There was nothing premeditated. There was nothing planned. It was more of staying genuine to myself. And as things came and opportunities presented itself, I just took a hold of it, not understanding and knowing that slowly but surely I was chipping away at the scope, at you know, developing this sculpture that uh, was going to be the identifying object that opened the gates to bridge the gap between the deaf community uh, and the military. And, wow. and so every day for me was even my, my peers, the other drill songs, they were amazed by it. They wanted to learn sign language. Uh, oh, and by the way, at this time, I had both my parents living with me at the time. So I got my dad a job on base. So then my dad became like this military celebrity and people would go to me. I want to talk to your dad. What do I say? How do you say thank you? How do you say this, that, and the third? People would see them and take pictures, selfies, and then send them to me. Bro, I seen your dad, and I, you know. So, uh, so that experience to me was 
I mean, it was unbelievable. You're just putting out a video because you care about something and doing your thing right. and, and, and looking down and saying, this is what I got to do. I'm going to take these steps to do it. I'm going to get my dad a job in the army. I'm going to post these videos. I'm going to be pushing for all these causes. And, and, but you're not focused too much on the success or lack of success in each individual moment. You're, you're putting your full heart and soul into this. Yes. yes. It's a step. It's a step. It's something that's never been done. Uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to be a part of it. And what I did during that process is um, I kind of, the motivational videos that I did with my own soldiers, calling cadence, you know, in the morning, no left, right, left, you know, all that stuff. I put it on YouTube and on social media and the platform group. People was like, yo, this is a guy. So the message that I, I, I try to convey to people is, yeah, both of my parents are deaf, but I'm not the only guy in the world who parents are deaf and can talk. But the uniqueness that I bring in the story and the purpose that I got, and, and one of the reasons why I'm able to talk to you today, is yeah, both of my parents are deaf, but on my father's side, my aunties and uncles, they can talk, right? Mm -hmm. But me, my brother and sister, we can talk. My kids, they can talk. But my aunties, my first cousins, their kids came out deaf. Mm -hmm. So I asked myself, why did it skip me? And that was my aha moment. I have a voice when, when I'm supposed to be voiceless. Because according to the doctors and scientists, your parents are deaf, so you're supposed to be deaf. No, you have a voice. So let me use my voice to uplift and motivate others. Let me use my voice with a purpose. And so I kind of double dipped. I kind of advocated for the deaf, and I used my voice to motivate the populace, the military populace and civilian populace. And just over time, uh, it, it formed into, in 2017, which is a year later, I did an LLC to create Team Stay Motivated. I did the trademark, the message ain't for everybody, but you know it's for somebody. Uh, and it, it's just been, it's just been going. It, it's, uh, so a lot stemmed from that night on duty, watching one video. I could not tell you that I've I seen a lot of the things and a lot of opportunities that I've had uh, to this point. I mean, from meeting celebrities, from going to different unique places. I mean, LL Cool J, Taraji, <laughs> Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I, I mean, I got stories. Russ, a couple of things. The first thing is just, I want to understand before we, I ask you about what team stay motivated means to you right now. A, a few questions. One is legally speaking, is anything changed in terms of the opportunities for deaf people in the army? Has anything changed from the technical terms that you mentioned where there's, there's certain restrictions? Has, has anything been lifted? That's what I'm fighting for. Uh, not to my knowledge, nothing has changed. I think Keith Nolan is still kind of in that fight. Uh, as you know, uh, the army song is, is titled, The Army Goes Rolling Along. So uh, once I came off the trail as a drill sergeant, I, I was in Korea for a year, which kind of disconnected me from the States. Uh, and then here I am now stationed in Detroit. So I kind of lost track as much as I was when I was a drill sergeant. Uh, but no, but I'm pretty sure anything to, you know what? I'm not going to say legal terms, but I'll tell you what, the most recent, uh, um, the inauguration of uh, President Biden, uh, they had, a soldier in the Navy whose parents were deaf and they allowed her to sign the, I want to say the Pledge of Allegiance. She wow. did it in sign language 
and they interviewed her and she was able to tell the same story that I'm telling you. Wow. So I maybe it, it takes time, but at least right. within the community, mm -hmm. there's a change and there's an interest there's clearly. Right. Right. Um, and I want to just kind of, again, take you back a second and just ask you for yourself a couple things. First of all, what was it like for you having that voice? What is different about a relationship without being able to use your voice to communicate with each other? I, I think at a very young age, it caused me to mature faster. Uh, I had a different level of responsibility. Um, and as, as well as I remember... Uh, few years back when, when I turned 30 years old, I went back home to Houston, brought some football and basketball players I grew up with uh, to the dinner. And I asked them, I said, hey man, when y'all was running the streets and you know being crazy, I wanted to go and y'all never let me go. And I never understood that. And I, I say, why? And they said, well, we knew you had a different lifestyle than us. You had a different responsibility than, than us. And who were we to allow you to mess that up? You had parents to take care of, you had your brother and sister. I didn't know that until I was 30, you know? So I was being groomed at a very young age to be, you know, um, responsible, to be mature, to, to kind of understand uh, life. Uh, and I embraced it. I embraced it all. Uh, one of the learning things for me was even though my father can't speak, uh, he's a very vital part of my life because he's a man of action. You don't even have to know sign language. You can just watch my father and kind of guess what he's saying. And 90% of the time, whatever you're guessing, that's probably what he's saying. Because he's very animated. It, everything is in the expression. Everything is in the is in the, uh, the, the, the passion and drive or whatever they're talking about. And so, uh, yeah, I, 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 man, I got that thing from my, my pops. I remember, uh, I can talk about pops all day. He's like my Superman. But I, I remember not having a vehicle when we were younger. And pops driving, not driving, but riding a 10-speed bike from Houston to Conroe, and that's like a 45-minute drive in a car. But he would get up at 3 in the morning, he would get his bike, and he would ride his bike to work, and he would ride it back. And there were some days he would come home, he would get us up, get us ready for school, make sure we were at the bus stop for the bus, and would be mowing the, 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 the yard and just waving, like, have a good day. And in my mind, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, does this guy ever sleep? Like, what's, what... I wanted to know what drives this guy. And it was just who, it was a part of who he was. It was, it was just in him. So that part I, I got from my pops. I learned from my pops. Uh, me and my brother value that from my pops. I think the part where the military did for me was I was never able to have a verbal relationship with my father. So when I joined the military and I seen, uh, more importantly, African-American leaders that look like my father, I was instantaneously uh, attracted to that, you know, to, to hear that voice, to move the mannerisms. And I was like, oh man, I want to do that. And, and so I kind of took the Michael Jordan syndrome, if, if you will. I think I was kind of already gifted unknowingly, but I said, I want a little bit of this leader. I want a little bit of this leader. Like Jordan took a little bit of magic, a little bit of Larry Bird, a little bit of Dr. J. So I want to take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, conglomerate that together, you know what I mean, to um, make my own identity of who, who I wanted to be because I didn't get that verbal relationship with my father. Um, recently, technology has, has sprouted in terms of people's ability to communicate. Has that changed your relationships at all with your, with your parents, how, how you speak to them, how they speak to you uh, compared to growing up?
Right. So the, the one of the technologies that, that have changed, which I think changed for society as a whole, especially if you're an iPhone user, is FaceTime. So growing up back in the day, we had something called uh, a TTY, which was a typing system to where, um, and I, I want to make the correlation with the military. I remember back in 2004 when I joined the military, we had pay phones and you had a calling card and you call your parents, you had five minutes to talk to them. Hey, people cry their tears, do what they want, and they hang up. Well, for me, when I called my parents, I had to call the Texas Relay Service. And what it was was an operator with the head mic on, and I would give them my parents' number. They would dial. A flashing light would go on in the house. My parents would pick up the phone, put the phone on the TTY, and type, right? And so when they would type to the operator, the operator would relay to me what my parents were saying. Wow. And so... Uh, that process was is a lengthy conversation. So after everything I said, I say something like, "Mom, this is this is your son, Chris. I'm just calling from basic training. I love you." The operator would have to type that, and then I would have to say there was like 30 second pauses in between conversation. And I remember this one time. It was probably my first phone call, five ten minute conversation. I, I hung up the phone and I, I cried. I did. I can admit it. I don't care. I I, I cried. And the drill sergeant was like, what are you crying for? And I always use my hands. I've been using my hands 18 years of living. This is all I know. Why do you keep using your hands? They're yelling at me and stuff. My peer, my battle buddy said something. He said, drill sergeant, did I ask you to speak? He said, drill sergeant, his parents are deaf. Your parents deaf? But yeah. And I explained to him what I had to do. Well, why you didn't just say that? Take 30 minutes. You know, so most people had 10 minutes to use the phone call, but they gave me 30 minutes to be able to have that 10 minute conversation that you would on that side. Now, if you fast forward to today, I don't have to use the TTY service. I have Amazing. an iPhone where I can just call them on my iPhone. Oh, and by the way, texting. If you don't, yeah, texting, texting, uh, uh, FaceTime. And if you don't have that, the majority of deaf have, it's a new service that's connected to the TV. So when you call the TV flashes, right? And so the operator is signing to the, instead of typing, the operator is signing to them through the TV while they're on the phone with me. Wow. So that, those are some of the advances uh, in some of the different ways that uh, the deaf are utilizing technology. Uh, and, and you got kind of two different sides to uh, the deaf community. You got the old school deaf community. You got the young pop deaf community. Uh, matter of fact, my, my first two daughters, my oldest daughters, their mother uh, is deaf. And she introduced me to a whole nother lifestyle of this young hip hop. They're very, <laughs> hey, listen, I, I went to a deaf club. They have deaf clubs. You would say, what wow. do you do in the deaf club? Well, for the younger deaf crowd or any deaf person, honestly, anytime they're in a setting where music is played, they feel the vibration of the beat. And that's how they go off the movements. Well, to this deaf club that I went to, they had a freestyle battle. I'm, I'm sitting in the club and I'm watching these two deaf guys go at the battle. And so, uh, you know, back in the day growing up, we had some, you know, BET or MTV awards, the music videos playing in the background, and they would have the captions. So how they competed was they would sign the words that were on the TV screen without looking at them. And it was whoever conveyed what was on the screen the best. And they had a hearing person like me who knew sign language that can validate what you were signing 
was authentic to what was on the screen. <laughs> right. And whoever did it the best, that's who, it was crazy. I was like, wow. It's amazing. My last question on your, you know, your journey, your experience is just every single time I'm talking about the deaf community, I'm asking about that. You're bringing in the military. Clearly, the military is like uh, a heart on your sleeve kind of thing. I just tell me about what it means to you. The brotherhood in the military, the sisterhood, the bearing arms. Um, you know, when you when you go into an overseas, you go into Iraq, you don't know what your next day is going to be like. Mortar rounds are hitting your fob, and you you've seen people dying. And uh, there's a different type of connection with your brothers and sisters in arms. You you the the mindset is different. You know, I, I can tell you that the people that I serve with in the military that I look at like like my father. I look at like my brother, like my sister, uh, because that's what they mean to me because they went through uh, the storm with me. It, it's just an unbreakable bond, whether you get out the military or not, because you have that shared experience uh, and you're always pushing one another, one another to be better, you know? And the, the military right now, the army has a priority right now called people first. That's the campaign, it's people first. Uh, when I first joined the military, uh, I don't know what the campaign was, but because of 9-11, the Army had moved to a mission-driven thing, you know, mission, mission, mission. It didn't matter what you had going on in your life. Your, your marriage can be distraught. Your finances can be messed up. Uh, somebody probably just died in your family. Uh, it was sort of like water falling off your back. It was, we have a mission to do take care of the mission first, and we'll get to your stuff later. Now, as war has decreased, we've, we've come back from Iraq and scaling back from Afghanistan. Uh, now you have a group of leaders that have a mindset of mission first and don't understand people first. And so now we're going through that transformation of people first, people first, people first. And so uh, being that I'm still in the military, I got about, uh, hopefully God willing, I'll get promoted here in the next few months. But uh, I've probably got a good five, six years left. I'm probably going to retire at 22 years. Um, I just use my platform and my social media to, to as a funnel to push that agenda, you know, of, hey, it's not only people first in the military, it's people first in life, you know, it, it, and I, I try to always bridge the gap. And, and I, I, I'm not a recruiter. I don't tell people to join the military. But what I tell people is if you don't have a sense of purpose or identity or you don't know what you're supposed to do, you just lost. Well, instead of working at McDonald's, go sign up for four years in the military. Maybe get you some structure. Get you, do four or six years. Get you a college degree. Save some money. I'm not telling you do 20 years like me. Now, if you know what you want to do, I, I kind of use my story of growing up with deaf parents and being able to have a voice to say, hey, you have, you have a gift in you. You have purpose in you. You have to, um, in, in, in a lot of my motivational messages, I say, GBMLT, 25-8, team stay motivated. And what, what that's saying is God built me like this. And the 25-8 is, it's 24 hours in a day. But you need to squeeze everything in your 24 hours to create another hour. You need to squeeze everything in your week to create another day. So I don't say 24-7, I say 25-8, team stay motivated. And, and, and that's what I use, you know, to tell people, we got to go get it, you know, and, and you got to make Make sure that your audio matches your video. A lot of people do a lot of chatter, but if you're not putting it on the pavement, if you're not putting it 
and out there. Uh, I tell people when it's time to die, I want to die on empty. I want to die with no regrets. Uh, I heard Denzel Washington said that you can't take the U-Haul to the grave with you. You know, so you might as well leave it all out on earth. Go, go, go all out. Go for broke because if you hold it, uh, that's why the cemetery has the, the the richest place in the world. It's books unwritten, songs uh, you know that that haven't been put out. Uh, it, it's so many things that's in the graveyard for people who who held back, who hesitate. Don't hesitate. Don't allow people's opinions of you to become your reality. You got to go get it. You know, destiny is there for you. I'm not saying the road is easy. You're going to have bumps. You're going to have adversity, obstacles, and detours. But all that is necessary for you to stay on the current course and get to where you're supposed to be. And you're going 25-8, and that's your philosophy. That's your mindset. And I think that what you're doing is, whether people are joining the Army or not, you want to help people connect with a sense of purpose. You want to help people get that 25-8 intensity, that passion and fire lit within them. And I think that, you know, you're not, you're underestimating the, uh, what you learn from the army, which is also just that we're not here just for ourselves. You mentioned mm -hmm. people first, you mentioned your, your, your brothers and your sisters, there's a sense of transcendence. And for some people, they find that in, in God, religion, uh, whatever it is, because that's the sort of the, the most meta sense of that, that there is purpose beyond ourselves. And of course, you see it in Viktor Frankl logotherapy where he was a, a psychiatrist in the concentration camps and noticed what helped the ingredients of helped people survive the camps was a sense of transcendent purpose beyond themselves. And I think that's probably what you learn almost most in the army is that you are a part of a, of a nation serving a, a greater purpose, hopefully that you believe in. And uh, yes. c clearly you, you've had that lit within yourself that transcends the army. Um, yes, it's embedded in me. And I try to, I, I tell people, you, you will find the way when you understand that the trials and tribulations of life that you deal with have nothing to do with you. Because I know that, because I understand that, I, I really don't have a, I really don't have a fear. Sort of like, I know his birthday just passed. It's sort of like Dr. King, his last speech before he died. He said, uh, I've been to the mountaintop. He said, my eyes have seen the glory. And, and one thing that I love about it, he says, I may not get there with you, but one day we'll get to the promised land. We are a part of something more than ourselves. We are a part of, yes. of a link of generations. And, and for yourself, you see that your presence matters. And, and you saw that before you did what you did, but your video had that impact. And you're just continuing to do that with every, in the smallest of ways and the biggest of ways around you is to know that your presence matters. It literally matters. And also on this bigger sense, it matters, but people underestimate their impact. They underestimate that they have that ability. And so if you had to, you know, sum up your message in, not that you haven't been summing up your message anyway, but what, what, what do you want to tell people? I would tell people to not allow their situation to dictate their destiny. It doesn't matter your, your color, your gender, your background, ethnicity, your political beliefs or religious beliefs. Uh, I, I, it's my belief that everyone, before you came out your mother's womb, there was a gift, there was a purpose, there was an assignment to you uh, that when you were birthed out your mother's womb, before you got slapped on the back and had your first cry your first cry was a cry of purpose you didn't know it at the time but 
that first cry, that was that that's all you're doing is figuring it out. And so my message to people is don't allow your situation to dictate uh, the narrative to prevent you from getting to destiny. Destiny is ahead. Uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes, and, and I, I could talk all day, so I shut up. But one of my favorite quotes is the darkest hour of the night is right before the breaking of the day, but you got to get through the night. Just do what you're supposed to do, what you can handle, what you can control. And don't worry. It's when you're worried about other people's goals and what they got going on that you that you miss your blessing, that you miss getting to the place of destiny. But when you truly know your purpose and you're not an identity crisis, it's easier. You still got to navigate the terrain, but it's easier for you to get through because you know who you are. And more importantly, you know where you're headed. I feel like I'm joining into a pep rally right now. Like I, <laughs> I got to go run out of the room and, you know, I don't know, do something. But uh, I, I, I do feel a strong sense for myself of, of personal purpose. And I, I like working with young people as well, because mm -hmm. I think that young people are when they come into their own. The coming of age is to come into a sense of I matter beyond myself and what can I do to contribute? And it sounds like that's what you're living, breathing and, and doing your best to do every single day. And thank you so much for sharing just about the military, about your experiences advocating for the deaf community, your experiences with deaf parents. And um, I'm hoping that there's continued breakthroughs and success of al the allowance and the expansion of the role of deaf people in the, in the military in the United States. Uh, that would be something special. So I, I think we're on standby for that, Christopher. <laughs> yeah, it will definitely be a blessing to see and, uh, and to know, even if I'm not a part of the process, it'll, it'll be great to know that I was a part of initiating the process. Usually you're inspiring other people, um, but talk mm -hmm. to us about something that you're trying to improve in your life, that you're trying to make better right here, right now. Yeah, I, so I think for me, uh, overall, I'm just trying to become a better man. Um, I, I, you know, I was married 13 years. Uh, my, my ex-wife kind of fell to, to the streets to drugs and stuff. So I ended up getting, you know, custody of kids and whatnot. But since then, when I say try to become a better man, I allow the fear of everything that I put into my marriage to make work, all those sacrifices. The fear is starting over. The fear is allowing someone in that space to open that door. The fear is to to love someone, Kevin Gates, one, one of my favorite rappers, he says, uh, the love that I put out, I don't get back in return. And I, I guess the, the fear of wasting time in that arena and, and the fear of being hurt again, you know? And as much motivational speaking as I do, you know, I tell you fear is fake evidence appearing real and you're supposed to go <laughs> head in on it. And it's easier to, to tell somebody what to do, but it's another thing to take your own advice and live it. And yeah. uh, so, so, so for me, uh, when I say becoming a better man, it's really looking in the mirror, doing a self uh, reflection, a self circumcision, if you, if you can. And so I gotta, I gotta lay this dead weight in order for me to go into the new me or the, you know, as far as becoming a better man, becoming uh, one day a better husband to someone uh, and, and getting out of my own way. A lot of times I allow my thoughts and my, my judgment, um, the cloud of my judgment to prevent me um, from 
you know, blessing, uh, to, to receive my blessing, to, to, to meet my wife, because any stitch that reminds me of anything that I've dealt with, I'm like, eh, no, I don't want to do it. You got that garden. And, and you yeah. say being a better man in, in one aspect of this, and obviously it's not the only aspect, mm -hmm. is that at one time you were fully raw and open and real in a relationship and you made children, you made a family, you had a family, you were married. And th that part, there's a wound there that comes from being totally open and it not working and getting back to the place again where you can bring somebody else in. Because that's, you're a giver all the way and you're going to continue to be a giver all the way to whoever it is that you devote, you know, create a new family with. Right. But that but you also need to receive. There's a trust that needs to come being able to receive from somebody else that they have your best interest at heart, that they want what's best for you as well. And that might be when you talk about being a man, there's all these different pieces, but part of it might be trusting somebody else, bringing somebody else in. I don't think you can love anybody any differently than the character of who you are, right? So if you're a selfish person, I don't think you can love unselfishly. I don't think you can be a giver of caring. I think you can't separate the two. I think they're, 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 they're intertwined. And for me, I emulate love or my commitment to love. Um, it is more of a religious belief or background, if you will. Uh, somewhere in the good book, it says, uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, right? And Christ died for the church, right? So when it comes to terms of marriage and stuff for me, once I'm sold, I'm sold. I'm like, look, we gonna, I'm all the way in now. <laughs> can, can, not can you meet me, can you surpass me? I need, don't love me because I love you. I need you to love me just because that's who you are. I want to bring you sort of, back before you were talking about that, because I think that you were getting to something that uh, is important for you, which is just, I want you to walk me through recently, uh, Christopher, sometime in your life that you, you don't need to name the person obviously, but sometime in your life that you feel that you did get in your own way, that you didn't trust, that you did push somebody away. Can you think of a time that that happened to you at all recently? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I was talking. <laughs> Talking to this, uh, this this one lady, uh, T's were crossed, I's were dotted. You know, uh, successful, had some military experience, credit score over seven hundred and fifty, house, <laughs> Beamer in the bed, the whole nine. <laughs> but I was instead of me embracing who she was, I was looking for the flaw. I was looking for the something, exit route. Right. I was looking for something to say. Mm -mm, that ain't it. Right. And uh, I remember one time as I was going through my divorce or just came out my divorce, uh, it was a struggle at first because my ex-wife used to be in the military as well. And so when you're in the military, it's different ways to take care of bills. But we used to split everything half and half, you know, because we were both military, same rank. That's how we used to do it. Uh, once I got a divorce and it was me and the kids, it's like, yo, it's all you, buddy. And so I, I, I'm figuring this stuff out. And I meet this woman who, who's, you know, financially stable, mentally right. Uh, and, you know, she embraced the kids, if you will. She was like, hey, you know, she needs a bed. One of my daughters needed a bed at the time. I was like, yeah, it's going to take me a couple of months, but I'm going to get it eventually. 
And so one day, like a week later, I go home and there's a bed in my daughter's room. It's a, it's a bunk bed with the steps, with drawers. You can pull out the drawers. Like it was, and then the price tag was still on there. And the bunk bed was like $2,500, right? But I was struggling in other areas. So in my mind, I'm like, man, I could have used that $2,500 to take care of some of this other stuff. And you ain't have to get a $2,500 bed. We could have got a $300 bed. She don't need no bunk bed. She that's just where my mind was at. And I was so upset, right, uh, at her for buying the bed because I already told her what I was going to do. It was going to take a couple months. And at this time, this has been years ago, but at that time, I felt like, um, I think I, I had a premise in my head, like, she's trying to buy me. You know what I mean? You're trying to buy me. You're trying to, you know, like, I can't be bought. <laughs> you know, like, like that's that was my That's excuse. the exit strategy. Yeah, yeah. I can't be bought. I can't I be bought. Yeah. And, and Whatever it was, all to, these things are going well, but there's something off and you're, and you're, you're, you're on high alert to yeah. find that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one thing that I'm very honest. Yeah. Especially, you know, when I was younger, you know, I, I lied. You hear me? I lied. I lied to a woman for, you know, I tell you what you want to hear, you know, get for the gab. I talk that talk, but yeah. I think, um, as I'm getting older and as I get more seasoned in the game, I think I'm a better communicator. And, and it's not just about com uh, communication, it's about comprehension. And so now when I talk, I try to ensure that me and whoever I'm dealing with, we have a clear understanding of where I'm at in life, where I do intend to be. You know, for now, you ha there have been people, and I'm not saying that they were the right or the wrong, but there've been people and you have a, de a detection, a, a, a way of seeing at times that says, I've got to find the flaw. I've got to find the exit strategy. And tell me just a little bit about how that serves you well. You know, having that sense of lack of trust or that restraint in terms of, you know, getting into that kind of relationship. What is that? How does that serve you and make your life better? So it, it serves me well because it's a defense mechanism. Right. Uh, the number, the number, the number one rule of boxing is protect yourself at all times. Right. I gotta protect myself at all times. Protect it protects you from the off the chance that you could be invaded by somebody yes. who is less than trustworthy, who's not doesn't have your best interests at heart. So even right. if you're pushing away people that might be good, you're also pushing away people that might be bad, and that's right. something you don't want to go down again. Right. And, and, and what I tell people is I accept the risk that I, I knowingly accept. the. I know the risk of me protecting myself is the risk that I may be losing out on somebody that's good, but right. it's OK. I, that's a risk I'm willing to take. I think I'll it's an know. insurance policy right now for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll know when I know when I didn't protect myself. I put me all out there. I know what it is to be in a dark space. Yeah. I know what it is to be depressed. I know what it is to be suicidal. I know what it is to have everything going well in your professional life. You be at the top of the spear and you're deteriorating, you know, uh, on the inside and nobody else knows. And everybody's praising you. At the, at the highlight of my career uh, is probably when I was going through the worst stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and nobody really knew that. Uh, and I just told myself, never again. I, I can't do it. I, I don't have the strength to do it. 
So I wouldn't willingly put myself in it. And it, it sometimes it's, it hurts to walk away, but I'm willing to walk away to protect myself. Aside from the fact that it's protecting you, why is it that you want to change? Why would your life be better if you could open yourself up in a way that you didn't, you didn't, you know, have one, one hand come closer, the other pull away. Like how, how would things be better for you if you were a little bit more open? I think things would be better for me in that retrospect, because I think a woman does so much more than a man can. Whatever lack or gaps I have as a man, I just feel that a woman can make that better. She senses, she sees something in me that I don't see in myself. So a woman that's for me can identify those things and, and, and affirm, reaffirm, and encourage me to be a better me. If I'm looking in the mirror at myself, you know, it's different than somebody who's authentic to me. You know, I may think I'm great in this area. You know, she's like, babe, well, you kind of suck over here. You know what I mean? Like, you're not, you're not, you know, so... Oh. To, to, to me, that's the, uh, that, that's the plus, that's the positive. It's somebody who's going to, I think Neo has a song, you make me better. You know, somebody who's just going to make me better, make yeah. me a better man, make me a better father to my children. Uh, and we can grow and make each other better. It's about the, the completion of, of something. Um, yes. Taking raw materials and making it just even deeper, even better. And for you, you have so much sense of purpose, mission, stay team, stay motivated, all this stuff that you're doing, so much power, energy, and yet to have someone else to share that with would yes. just take you another dimension to you that uh, right now you're not accessing. And, and then to understand that, I'm on the phone at least half the, I mean, I'm talking to 30, 40 people a day, whether it's life coaching, whether it's motivational, I'm always doing something. And I think for someone to understand that, to recognize that is who I am. It's a part, you know what I mean? Don't, don't, don't come into my world and ask me to change. No. Help me make the challenge you to be better, to be better, but don't challenge but see me. your greatness. Me. Embrace right, right, the, right. the part of you that's already there. That's already right. showing up as Christopher, the best you can. Right. I think when two people meet, you meet them where they at. Yeah. And I think when you meet them where they at, you can't you can't judge them. A lot of people, a lot of people, we do that. You know, we judge based off of maybe where you're from, what you experience. Uh, I'll tell you something else: the fear of being vulnerable. Yeah. To share some of those uh, maybe trauma in your childhood experience, maybe something to. You know, I, I think every, uh, there's a book by T.D. Jakes called He Motions. And what he says in there, he says, every king has a kid in him, right? He says, every king has a kid in him. And uh, I illustrated this to a friend and told her, I say, do it to your husband and watch what happens. And she said, yeah, oh, it worked. It is a very simple concept. And when I told him, I said, um, even my, even my, my, my son, he, he, he's two, but I remember being young in fourth, fifth grade, drawing a picture of my family, stick figures, right? And I, I, I'm excited. I get home and I show my mama, mama, look what I drew. And my mom's excited and she puts it on a refrigerator and she's like, she gives me a hug and kiss. She said, yeah. The next day I went to school, what do you think I did? I went and drew another doggo picture. 
because I wanted that praise from my mother and for, I wanted that affection, right? I say, so instead of you yelling or being mad about your husband not taking out the trash, right? Just let him know, have a conversation. And the first time he take out the trash, don't say finally. Say, go, go ahead, baby. You the <laughs> you go, boy. You took out the trash. And she did that. not too she much did. that it's a mockery because you're not really too, grateful. Yeah, not, yeah, you're really yeah, grateful. Not, right. Not too much where you mocking them, but just <laughs> right to where, you know, just right you to You want to do it again. Yeah. She said, I ain't had to bring up him taking out the trash again. She said, so I use it for everything now. Laundry. Every, she said, I'm you go. <laughs> but, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, there's, there's a, there's a fear to reveal the kid. Because when people figure out the kid, they don't know how to handle it, you know. Uh, uh, one, and one, one, one thing that I learned uh, in speaking of truths and getting to learn them and they learn me was don't dump your truth on them. Because in my mind, uh, uh, most, you know, the majority of women say, men don't tell the truth, men don't tell the truth. I'm like, well, here I am giving you the truth and you can't handle it, right? But it's not, it's <laughs> And it's, it's not so much that you can't handle it. What I learned through that process is, was you can't dump the truth on me and expect me to just take it. You got to you got to build on that truth. You know, you got to you know, you got to say, hey, uh, uh, my, my great great grandmother, she's 114 years old. She died in wait, wait. Uh, 1998 and her daughter. She was 114, uh, 114. born. Well, what was her secret? Uh, love the Lord and love people. That's her secret. <laughs> That's her secret. Her, 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 her only child, surviving child, she's still living now, which is my great, great aunt, uh, Nano. She's 101 now. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Love the Lord and love people. Love That's the ingredient she was getting. That's the oh. recipe. And, uh, you know, she said, uh, you can't, you can't force that thing on me. You gotta, you gotta, my, my great, great grandmother said, uh, I smell the rain, you know? And, and, and when she says smell the rain, it's usually minutes, but and surely, 30 minutes later, hour later, it start raining. So you gotta kind of get a warning, like, hey, I have something. Don't in just start me. with this with this with the rain torrential. Yeah, don't rain come with the storm. Give me a heads up. There's right. some rain coming. So I can prepare accordingly for whatever you're about to tell me that I'm readily available to receive your truth. You know what I mean? Uh, and so I, you know, I learned that in the in the process as well. But yeah, that's another thing. Being vulnerable, talking about those traumas, whether it's verbal abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse, whatever, being able to share that with, with, with no judgment zone, you know, and, and embracing uh, who someone is in their totality. You know, you can't, you can't embrace the good in someone and neglect the bad and, 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 the, and the vices and vicissitudes of life that we face. I think you gotta, you, you gotta take all those variables because that's what makes the person, you know? And your vulnerability and the vulnerability piece really goes on both sides. On the one hand, you know, that's something that would deter you from wanting to be open because you don't want to be vulnerable. On the other hand, I get to be vulnerable and I want to be vulnerable. And so that's the, the piece that, you know, goes back and forth is we all want to be, be vulnerable, mm -hmm. but we're also afraid to be vulnerable. But we mm -hmm. know that we'll be we can be held in a way if we, that, that, that would be greater than if we weren't vulnerable. And yeah. so... Hopefully you can take that vulnerability piece and put it to the positive, even if it's, you know, something scary, but either way, you've got reasons why you don't want to change, uh, which is partly because it protects you. But the other part is that there's so much richness that can come 
from a relationship, from that being a man, the way you talk, the way you're talking about right now. And so I'm wondering, is there one small thing that you want to do differently today going forward? Not, not anything drastic, but just one little tiny thing that would be an indicator for you that you are taking a step forward uh, towards being more of the kind of person you want to be to attract that person. I think, I think uh, it's a military term. I mean, it's a life term, but I think for me is discipline. Being, being disciplined in those principles, discipline in what I put out and living by that. You know, um, sometimes for me, I'm where the tide ebbs and flows, you know. I may go hard three days, but on the fourth day, you know, they say Jesus rested on the seventh, but I'm going to give me two rest days in before, you know. The fourth day I may chill, go back. I, I think being disciplined uh, in, in doing those things that are going to chip away at the clay, you know, to for me to become who I'm supposed to be by myself without... You know, I know I talked about the woman completing the man and coming together, but me maximizing my full potential as a man before I even connect to someone else, I think being disciplined, being, being you know, living by what I What would out. one discipline, what would it be? Like, what would one piece of that be to move you in that direction? I got to go to the foundation, man. I got to go to the foundation. So for me, for me being disciplined in... Uh, living by my biblical beliefs. That, that, that's probably what it is for me. You know, uh, something that a lot of people don't know is uh, I, I'm pretty knowledgeable about, you know, the Bible and, and the things I believe in. But none of that is updated to what I've learned as an adult. All this is from my childhood. Every reference that I use from the from the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, it's from what your, it's David, your memory way back when. Everything is from... There's, there's nothing that I've applied in my adult life that has grown me from that. There's no discipline that I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't take no time during the day to read my Bible. You know, I don't take that time. It, it, when I say 25, eight, I didn't take no time to really set aside. I could talk to you about it all day. I get excited with you about it all day. <laughs> but, but am I really maximizing myself in that arena? You know, I told my grandmother, I said, I say, I fear the unknown. I know greatness is coming, but I, 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 I just don't know how and when, and I fear it. My grandmother told me, she said, baby, you don't fear the unknown. She said, you fear the known. I said, hold on now, what you talking about? She said, you know what I'm talking about. You just got to embrace it and walk in it. And that's a part of it, having that discipline in my faith, being true to my faith and, and living in that to become a better me internally. Because if it gets right internally, it's, it's definitely going to show up externally. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and, you know, I can be a beacon of light to someone else. They can, so when they ask how, I can say it was my faith. They say how, I can say it was my discipline. Uh, but right now, I, I can't tell nobody that. I can, just, I can just tell you way back when, when I grew up, <laughs> this is what worked for me. And it stuck with me in such a way at the age of 14, 15, 16. Here I am, 34. Uh, and you want to get probably, you want to Im implement that in some small way. This sense yeah. of faith, the groundedness, this this spiritual sense, 
making time for that consciously, making some time for that in your life mm-hmm. more than, than you have been is, yes, is, is one thing. And then maybe, and I, I just will put my own little spin on it. Maybe part of it is also that when you are meeting that person, when you are interacting with that person, just to notice your first reaction, to notice that the first reaction is to find the flaw, to see the issue, and just to notice it and acknowledge it and say, thank you, mind, for letting me know, for trying to protect me. And then you come back and you're meeting a new person. This person is new. And so even though you want to keep that, that guard up and you say, I'm, I'm cautious, but you also can just create some distance and say, this is what I'm doing naturally. My mind is naturally doing this. It doesn't mean it's real. It doesn't mean I need to always follow it. I can still be open. Even if my mind is a little bit worried, I can still be a tiny bit open, more open than I have been. Maybe take another conversation later before I make my judgments about this person or what, what they are or what they aren't or what their intentions are for me. So just a little bit of space. Uh, yes, I don't know. Just a thought that I had about it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm definitely going to take that in consideration. You know what I mean? Definitely take that initial, maybe do a reset and then re, re-engage again. That, that, that may work. May well, either way, it's mind. just I know that my mind's protecting me, but I also know that that's because of, because of what it's always been, how it's been in the past, but doesn't mean right now that this person in front of me just because my mind tells me or is warning me doesn't mean it's the only piece of information that I need to listen to. But it sounds like you are, you know, you're open, very open, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. Tons of power, energy, excitement, and God willing, you will find the right person. But uh, thank you so much for your time and for your openness to us, to sharing with our audience uh, everything of what it means to you to be a part of the military, to be a part of the deaf community, and of course, for us here to understand that you are constantly inspiring others, but it doesn't mean that you yourself aren't trying to be better than you were yesterday. Um, your, your message is inspiring, but you're also going to inspire through the actions that you take to make your life better than it was yesterday. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, as I said initially, man, this is a, a honor and a privilege uh, for me. I think uh, Taylor, my publicist, for even you know creating this opportunity for me and bridge the gap. And uh, this has been a blessing, man. It's been great talking to you, bro. Don't forget to follow us on social media to keep updated on all our content. We are at Change Talk Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Change Talk Pod on Twitter. Editing for this podcast is done by the lovely Atara Shields Tile. Music and theme song by Hope and Social in their album Yorkshire Electric EP with the song People Change. <laughs>